Welcome back. Time now for a deeper dive into the news of the week. We want to try to analyze some of the most important stories of the week with our roundtable. Oh, we've got a good one for you today. <laughs> David Smiley is the political reporter for the Miami Herald, and he has an excellent story in today's Miami Herald about the somewhat fraught situation of Sheriff Gregory Tony in Broward. Raquel Rocky Rodriguez is a veteran government relations attorney with McDonald Hopkins, and she was general counsel to former Governor Jeb Bush. And our friend Stephen Johnson chairs Miami-Dade County's Black Affairs Advisory Board. He is an attorney with a Lidecker-Diaz firm in Miami, president of the 100 Black Men of South Florida. Good morning. Rocky, Stephen, David. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. to have you here. You know, one of the uh, the bills going through, uh, going to land on the governor's desk, Rocky, is going to be the Sanctuary Cities bill, mm -hmm. uh, getting a lot of attention and a lot of controversy. And if you listen to the arguments on both sides, the bill is either protections for undocumented immigrants or, and I'm going to quote this, uh, shielding criminal undocumented migrants from prosecution. So is it one, the other, both? Well, it depends on which version of the uh, legislation you read. The most recent legislation, I believe, that was passed was by the Senate a couple of days ago, which uh, significantly dialed back some of the more aggressive positions in the House bill. In particular, the, uh, the legislation that the Senate has now passed over to the House for vote is uh, focused exclusively on people who are actually arrested or convicted of a crime in Florida and for whom the local law enforcement agency has received a request followed by a, a warrant based on probable cause that that person is in violation of the U.S. Immigration Code. So I think they've narrowed it significantly to address some of the concerns that were being voiced about the original version of the House bill. Somehow, I, I somehow I'm looking at yeah, Stephen thinking, <laughs> what do you think? I, well, what I think is I want to congratulate the Florida legislature on taking care of a problem that Florida does not have. We have zero sanctuary cities. We're going to have to outlaw snipe hunting and, and everything else that, <laughs> that is irrelevant in the world because we yeah. have such real issues to deal with and tackle that we're spending time making a, a something wrongful and illegal and actually fining uh, municipal and, and, and county legislators for, for actions that that's they out, may take. By the way. Good, I'm glad. That's well, out. That, hey, good yeah. news. <laughs> Snipe hunting's in, that's out. My other problem is this this is still a little bit of legislative overreach. A lot more decisions are being made in Tallahassee yeah. than need to be made here. Yeah. Well, I should point out, David Smiley, I think you covered this. I know I did when the Miami Dade Commission, at the behest of, of Mayor Carlos Jimenez, a couple of years ago, said, all right, we're going to change our local ordinances. And if ICE sends out a detainer, if Miami Dade police uh, are holding somebody who's been accused of a crime and who is on the list for ICE possible for deportation, we turn them over. We've been doing that for the last couple of years. Right, and Miami-Dade County um, changed their position on the issue out of fears of uh, losing funding, right. and it turned out that they really didn't need to be worried about that. Um, I, you know, I remember Jeff Sessions coming to town and giving, I believe, a justice grant that uh, some cities who hadn't backed up their policies also received 
Um, this is a 2020 messaging bill. This is about the 2020 presidential race right. um, and the Florida legislature, uh, the Republicans who control it. Um, They're getting moving, on board with the Trump agenda. Uh, uh, taking up a base issue for a party, uh, for voters who are increasingly becoming more concerned about taking hardline immigration stances. But you know, in the hardline immigration stance actually is in practice in South Florida. I mean, we, we get notice that people who have been here, who have families, who are undocumented, who have had jobs get get picked up on a deportation order. It, not something that hasn't been happening for years. It's just so much more in the news now because of these policies, but it is happening. And I would say, great job, Florida legislature. We're about to go into the 2020 census, and you're now giving more people a reason not to answer their door and not to be counted. We're really going to miss out on some things by doing things that are so hardline anti-immigration right now. This was not the time or the place to be doing these things. There is never a time. And frankly, to me, the biggest problem is the dysfunction in Washington over the failure mm -hmm. to actually implement immigration reform. Right. This is an issue that's been going on for decades. And all the legislature's doing, and by the way, I'm a very pro-immigration person, and I don't want to just grab people off the street and ask them their re your status. But we do have to recognize that we have laws on the books about legal immigration. We have people that are arrested, many of whom or some of whom may not be here legally. And if the federal government is going to request the information on that person and reimburse us for that, that's a big issue that was debated in this yeah. bill, the unfunded mandates, then, you know, why should we not cooperate with the federal government in enforcing existing law? This is nothing new. Well, nobody's saying not to cooperate. Look, look, there was a, a judge in Massachusetts who actually snuck a guy out the back mm -hmm. door. No one's saying do that to actively impede. But at the same time, again, and I think Michael said it earlier, this was a problem in search of, I mean, this was a solution in search of a problem. Yeah. Wasn't our issue. We have bigger fish to fry this year. Well, one of the fish that is being fried in Tallahassee, one of the big ones, uh, is importing drugs from Canada. And David Smiley, uh, the governor in his inaugural address said, I want to do this. In his address when the legislature opened, said it again, and now the bill is moving through. And despite a big campaign from Big Pharma, which is trying to scare the bejesus out of people about counterfeit drugs, tainted drugs, this looks like it's going to pass. Right, uh, and uh, Big Pharma has been running commercials around the state, uh, which PolitiFact has ranked entirely false. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, this is, to me, another 2020 messaging bill. I mean, it, it will have more consequential effects, I think, than uh, the Sanctuary Cities bill. But uh, once again, this is, you know, DeSantis aligning with Donald Trump. And I think this will be, you'll see this on the campaign trail um, going into next year. And, you know, Ro Rocky, you were mentioning it is a, a limited bill. I mean, it's just for Medicaid, Medicare. But no, Medicare, was, Medicaid, because the state, state does not control the Medicare and budget. The but the state prison system and the state prison system, but, but the government savings is really significant. It could be. Oh, and, and we should say, yeah. uh, in mm -hmm. fairness, you mm -hmm. are on the board of BioFloor. Yes, I, I'm on the, them. We, uh, and I'm the co-chair of the Government Affairs Committee, and BioFloor has taken a position against uh, the bill. Uh, and consistent with the national organization BIO because of, of concerns about the impact on our, our U.S.-based pharmaceutical industry, which is among the best in the world. What um, I think that, there, you know, there's two things to keep in mind here. One, as you mentioned, Glenna, it's, it's very limited only to areas where the state is providing funding. Nobody's imposing any mandates on people uh, in general <laughs> or others. Uh, number two, 
what this is just like immigration why do we have a problem because it's so expensive to get a drug to market do you know that it costs about 800 million dollars to get one single drug through the whole process of the FDA approvals and clinical trials. How do you it, bring that price down? How well, do you make it more affordable? What a lot of drug companies do is that now they're doing the initial approvals outside the U.S. and the EU, which is not quite as expensive, and then uh, pursuing approvals here. But the other issue is, in addition to that cost, you have um, the delays that the, that the clinical trial process imposes the, and uh, patents that are only good for 20 years, but the, those 20 years start counting from the day that you file the patent. So in essence, the drug companies don't have a very long time in order to recoup their investment. So this is another one where, yes, the state legislature is responding to a problem at a moment in time, but that problem has causes, again, rooted in Washington and the way that the FDA deals with our research and development and clinical trial process. Yeah, well, but, it's a complex process, but again, I think, you know, the governor says he's got the support of President Trump and he's going to get the approval from HHS and whatever government approval needed from the feds. And to make this work. And at the, the risk of uh, being supportive of something the president is doing, I, I, anything that, that reduces costs and allows those on Medicare, Medicaid, and in our prison systems, the same name brand drugs that are available everywhere else, yeah. and makes it so that it doesn't cost the Florida taxpayer more mm -hmm. money, is inherently a good thing. How we get there, we can still talk about, but it's inherently a good thing. Well, we need to reduce those costs. We, we just need to take a good point to end on a quick break. We'll be right back with more Roundtable. Stay with us. I was Welcome back to a very good session of our Roundtable with Stephen Johnson, Rocky Rodriguez, and David Smiley. David, let's talk about this story you've got on today's Miami Herald. You and Chuck Rabin uh, are the authors, and this deals with uh, Broward Sheriff Gregory Tony, who is in a really tough position. He is a law enforcement professional, but a political neophyte. And mm -hmm. it's beginning to show. Uh, this happened, I think it showed big time, when he appeared before the yeah. Tamarack City Commission on Wednesday. Tell us about what happened on Wednesday, the comments he made in response to a Q&A contentious talk with uh, a city commissioner. Well, you know, Sheriff Tony uh, appointed uh, to the position by Governor Ron DeSantis after DeSantis suspended Scott Israel um, largely over BSO's response to the shooting in Parkland. And um, uh, uh, recently, video came out showing um, two BSO deputies really in a very rough arrest of a black high school freshman. Uh, who goes to J.P. Taravella in North Broward County, uh, pepper sprayed him in the face, threw him to the ground, uh, uh, and it was just it caused outrage, uh, national outrage, LeBron James tweeting about it, and um, right, a lot of Steve calls Kerr. for mm -hmm. uh, the sheriff to uh, uh, fire the deputies, and he went into Tamarack, uh, the city where this arrest happened, and was trying to, I think, to have a very a, a, a tough discussion about all of the complicated uh, issues that go into suspending, disciplining uh, law enforcement officers. Right. Um, the, the use of force matrix, which he tried to talk about, that uh, guides how officers engage with people when they're arresting them, right. uh, allows them, for instance, to use non-lethal force when people re uh, resist arrest, which could be as simple as not obeying your commands, right. um, punishing
approaching them, goes through a very long process of the Department of Administrative Hearings. And in trying to explain this, he seemed to get heated with the commissioners. And well, I think did. lost he, yeah. a lot of goodwill that he was trying to build up. He had appeared with black leaders over the weekend in a pre-scheduled meeting, and I think left a good impression. And some of those same, same people who felt good about meeting with him over the weekend saw his um, his remarks um, to the Tamarack City Commission and we're thinking, who, wait, where, where, yeah, who, who is this who guy? Is, he did say, let me quote him, he said at one point to Commissioner uh, Bolton, he said, I will not stand here and be lectured to about the laws of investigative practices because no one up there on the dais has the experience that I have. And, and that's, that's true, but Stephen, I mean, he needs to be calming the waters and you know, he's stirring them up. What, what he was there to respond to and answer questions about was the treatment of one of the youths in Tamarack. And he was responding to the city of Tamarack, his client, by the way, mm -hmm. his customer. And instead of saying, I am going through the steps, which is what he said he was doing. I'm going through the steps where we have to investigate. There's right. an officer's bill of rights. There are all sorts of things that, w that go into this. He decides to yell at his client and says, here's what I'm not going to do. Well, sir, here's what they're not going to do. They actually told those officers to never come back to Tamarack, right? Mm -hmm. You can't go from being right, from having the job to say, I am investigating, to being wrong and trying to educate people on something that made it seem like he had taken a position already. Do you know what's, what the irony here is? Sheriff Tony came to that position on the shoulders of the parents of Parkland, who were demanding change and demanding leadership for what they perceived as failures, what they have since learned were failures. And so they got a leader that, and, and in fact, one of the parents, Andrew Pollock, actually introduced Sheriff Tony to the governor who put him there. And so now you have someone who is put in that place to be a leader, to take no you know what, and isn't that kind of what he but, walked into that meeting to do? But wasn't he wasn't he appointed there because of how our children are being policed and protected? And the question was being asked by that Tamarack uh, council, were you protecting that child when you were slamming his head against the concrete? It's a legitimate question. Yeah. And, and what did he yell answer? At them, what did he answer? To what, what what he what his answer essentially was. His, his whole his whole tenor was, I'm investigating, but none of you know what it is I'm investigating. Ah. That's never the answer you give your client, your customer. Tamarack is a customer of the Broward County Sheriff's Department. Yeah. So Rocky, does he leadership uh, as a police or a law enforcement leadership? There is a political component to it. Does Sheriff Tony mm -hmm. maybe just not? get that or or know how to do that you know there's always a learning curve when you mm -hmm. step into political office and uh, I think that I his words were ill-chosen and his tone was um, ill-advised and I think that anyone who doesn't agree that there's a level of justified outrage over the video yeah. over how that young man was treated um, is politically tone-deaf and I think that we have to understand that people want answers and that there is, uh, on the other hand, there is a process, but the way to do it is to explain there is a process, we're working on it. I may not be able to go into all of the details right. mm -hmm. of that investigation because of confidentiality and 
not to prejudice the investigation, but we're listening to you and we want to get to the bottom of it. And, and I, that's the right tone. Maybe and I, he, go ahead. He, I'm sorry, he has to say, and I understand why you're upset. Yes. Yeah. And if something is wrong, I'm upset too. Yes. And I don't have this, have my officers abuse our children, because they're all of our yeah. children, right? Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that anyone who's a parent with a child in school watching that video saw his or her own child yeah. in that and, place. And if and you were a black parent, I think you'd feel especially concerned and level. disturbed about it. Yeah. Because 14-year-old children, 15-year-old children, sometimes do things that children do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I expect the police to handle a situation. To be mature and be the adult. A in lot the room. different yeah. than, than yeah. bloodying you know, his head the, by slamming it into the, the other concrete. The other thing we're not even talking about, David, is the whole reason we know about this is because of video. Right. What don't we see? How many instances don't we see? So isn't it incumbent upon a leader of law enforcement to make the public aware of exactly what to expect, even when the camera isn't on? Yeah, um, I, I think this all speaks to he was brought in there because of a very specific reason. Um, and, but the job of the Broward Sheriff is huge. It is enormous. And yeah. he was never more than a sergeant in the Coral Springs Police Department. He's, uh, as far as I know, never been out front for an entire police agency. And he's got a very um, big learning curve. And he doesn't have much time to, to do, to do the learning yeah. because yeah. the campaign against Scott Israel, um, if he's going to run as he says he is, uh, is coming up soon. And, um, and yeah, uh, uh, overseeing nearly 3,000 Broward Sheriff's deputies, there are a lot of difficult and troubling at times interactions yeah, with the huge community. Job. Yeah. All right, well, you mentioned Scott Israel, so let's kind of button up the discussion here. Uh, Rocky, uh, there is one week left. Next Friday, mm -hmm. legislature adjourns. The Senate, it seems to me pretty clearly, is not have time to have a full, the full-blown kind of evidentiary hearing that Scott Israel and his attorney Ben Cuny want. So it's going to be maybe next summer before they get this. Well, it's not a question of whether they want it. That's what the Senate procedures call for mm -hmm. when considering a suspension and removal mm -hmm. of a public official. I went through this with the Miriam Oliphant suspension. Mm -hmm. There is a process whereby the governor's office, who acts as the prosecutor, presents the evidence supporting the executive order of suspension to a special master appointed by the Senate. That special master will listen to the testimony. There may be depositions. There could be multiple hearings. And then that special master will prepare a report and recommendation to the Senate. Right. Then the Senate will review it through the uh, Ethics and Elections Committee, usually. Yeah. And then they will debate it and vote on it. Well, it's going to be a while. Yep. I hate to cut you off, but we'll see what happens with that. Thank you all for coming in. Great roundtable. Next, the view from Havana, how the Cuban government views the Trump administration's squeeze on trade, travel, and remittances. Our man in Havana, Hatzel Vela, has an exclusive interview with the head of the U.S. section coming up.